Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Bergen, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Don Bentley. Don is a New York Times bestselling author, a former Army Apache pilot, and an FBI agent. Don, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Hey, Fred. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, Don. Uh, I love your books, uh, Matt Drake, and you have Hostile Intent coming out on May 3rd. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so thanks. It's uh, the third book in my Matt Drake series, and uh, it kind of picks up a little bit where the last one, The Outside Man, let, um, left off. It, it is uh, a standalone book, but it's also meant to kind of close out the trilogy of the first three books. And it follows uh, what happens when um, there is a Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So a completely random made up topic that would never happen in real life. And I wrote about <laughs> it. So that's that's what this book is about. That's unbelievable. Now, tell me a little bit about Matt Drake. How did you develop that character? Yeah. So appreciate you asking that. As a writer, I spent uh, quite a number of years getting better at my craft. And, and part of that was figuring out um, what I wanted to bring to the genre, the espionage military thriller um, genre that was the same but different. And that's a, that's a saying my editor, Tom Colgan, uses all the time. And, and what, he, what he means by that is that when you're a new author writing in this genre, um, Mark Graney is really great at, Mar at writing Mark Graney books. And so readers don't want another Mark Graney book, but they want a book that could be shelved next to Mark's. And so when I was developing my character, my protagonist, Matt Drake, I made a number of choices um, from that standpoint that I thought hopefully would resonate with the fans of the genre, but would be a little bit different than what's out there right now. And so the first being that I write Matt in a first person um, kind of witty protagonist that was very much influenced by uh, Nelson DeMille's iconic John Quarry character. Uh, the second thing is I looked around and saw quite a few um, protagonists in the genre who were either ex-special um, operations or current special operations or assassins or CIA officers. And so I chose to make um, Matt a case officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is another member of the intelligence community, but one um, that folks don't know quite as much about. And I thought that would be a little bit different. And then finally, I had Matt be a, um, for his background, be a former army ranger and a company commander in the ranger regiment. And I've had uh, the opportunity to rub shoulders with uh, a lot of interesting folks since I got out of the FBI. And um, several of my closest friends all hail from the ranger regiment. And and, and they profoundly affected me. And I thought, man, that, this would be a great, great way to show um, folks who, who aren't as lucky to have rangers as, as friends kind of what that community is like. And so those three things were the, the major choices I made when I was crafting Matt Drake as a character. Yeah, that's an amazing backstory. 
Don. I know I worked uh, alongside DIA back in the day. And of course, when we were hunting for the hostages in Lebanon, uh, I think mm-hmm. it's the kind of organization that a lot of people really don't know a lot about. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it also is it's is great from a writer's perspective because um, the DIA and CIA have very similar missions. And so there is, um, because of that, certainly a, a quite a bit of um, professional, shall we say, competition between those two organizations. And so writing from the perspective of a DIA protagonist has been really fun because I can tap into that competition and also kind of show, like I said, something that um, maybe an agency a lot of folks haven't heard of before and and kind of show that and then and bring something a little bit different to the genre at the same time. Now, Don, I would be highly remiss for uh, not thanking you profusely <laughs> for having me in Tom Clancy's Target Acquired. Uh, that was very kind of you to do that. I, I can't tell you what a big Clancy fan I was. And when I was an agent back in the day, especially in the 80s, I always had a Clancy book in my carry-on bag as we were bouncing around the world. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, and thank you for writing such a great book. I mean, I, I, re- I referred to your book. I'd read it um, before I had ever written uh, Target Acquired. And, and that in that book, my book, Target Acquired, takes place both in Tel Aviv and then um, a little bit in Lebanon and in uh, Syria. And so when I'd read your book before and then um, referenced it multiple times as, as I was writing mine, I thought, you know, what? how could I say thanks to Fred for writing such a great book? And I was like, I'll put him in the Clancy one. So I'm happy to do that. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you have a pedigree that uh, is amazing, Don. Uh, I mean, being picked to write for Tom Clancy, tell me how you got that job. Yeah, so I, I have been um, been very fortunate, both from the writing and and from a um, professional standpoint. I had a when I was doing um, press for my first Matt Drake book, which was called Without Sanction. I had a radio interviewer ask me, "Are you Matt Drake?" And I said, "You know, I am absolutely not Matt Drake, but I have <laughs> I have stood in the same room with him." And so those interesting people um, that I've been fortunate enough to serve with and then know um, in a civilian capacity really helped form um, both my Matt Drake character, and then I took that into my Tom Clancy books. And so my editor, Tom Colgan, is is a fantastic guy to work with. He's edited everybody from Tom Clancy when he was still alive to Janet Ivanovich to Lee Child. And so um, when I turned in the second book in my Matt Drake series, which is called The Outside Man, uh, Tom reached out, and you do this thing that's called an editorial call, where it's after your your editor gets a chance to read your book and then says, okay, let's talk about it. And it's very much, it feels the same as if you were in fourth grade and came to school and realized you forgot your homework at, at home. That's that's what it feels like as you're going into this call with your editor. And so we went through the outside man and what his thoughts on there and some great suggestions he had to make the book better. And then at the very end of the conversation, very Columbo-esque, Tom said, well, I have one more question for you. Would you be interested in writing in the Clancy universe as well? And my, you know, my jaw kind of dropped, and and I thought, did he really just say that? And so he did really just say that, and it was like I said, very fortunate to be working with him because he also edits um, the Clancy universe. So there are two different book series that run at the same time. The first ones are the 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 
the book series that star Jack Ryan Sr., who is Tom Clancy's kind of I- iconic protagonist that started it all with Hunt for the Red October. And so Mark Cameron writes those books. And then I write the parallel series that stars Jack Ryan's son, Jack Ryan Jr. And, and uh, Mike Madden, who is a fantastic writer, was writing them before I did and, and decided to uh, move on to other things right as I came on to Tom Colgan's um, radar. So a whole bunch of, of events came together and to allow me to do that. And it really has been incredible. You know, Tom Clancy's um, Red Storm Rising is the first book I ever read in this genre. And it kind of launched me into a, a lifelong love of, of thrillers. And so to be able to write in the universe he created is is really there are no words for it. Oh, without a doubt. I've got that book, uh, Red Storm Rising, on the shelf behind me, Don. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you the times that uh, Clancy kept me awake on many overseas <laughs> junkets uh, traveling around the globe. But... <laughs> We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontech's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. This is why we created the Ontech Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. Let's talk about your days as an Army Apache pilot. Uh, How did you become a pilot? Is that something you always wanted to do? Yeah, so uh, my dad uh, was a was a um, a pilot, um, just just a private pilot. Um, he never flew commercially, but he uh, got his instructor's license. And when I was a kid, would would teach other folks how to fly. And so I grew up kind of flying with him. And I also grew up um, wanting to serve in the military. My my father and grandfather both served in, in World War II and Vietnam, respectively. I'd like to say that I'm the first generation that voluntarily served. They were, they were both drafted in those two conflicts. But I grew up very much wanting to serve and very much um, in love with aviation. And so as I got to um, my senior year of high school and was transitioning into college, uh, the Army offered me an ROTC scholarship. And I thought, man, if I, uh, my dad had wanted to fly for the Air Force, but his eyes were were too poor, they changed kind of his senior year in, in college. And so he didn't. And so I thought, man, if I was in the same situation and I went in the Army and couldn't fly, there are all kinds of fun things you can do in the Army. If I went in the Air Force and couldn't fly, I don't know what I would do. And so I, I chose the Army and uh, gambled on the fact that I would get an aviation slot. And I was fortunate enough to be commissioned into the aviation branch and then to get the most amazing helicopter on the face of the earth, the the Apache gunship that I was lucky enough to fly both the alpha models and the long mo- longbow models. And it is ha- hard to have a bad day when you get to fly an Apache helicopter. Well, I know, Don, you probably won't say this, but I will. Uh, you were a Bronze Star Medal recipient and also a recipient of the Air Medal 
with a V for valor for your service in Afghanistan, which I uh, want to thank you for what you did for our great nation. I, I appreciate that, Fred. Yeah, it's it. Um, usually when you uh, when you get uh, when you're awarded medals, it's for for a a time that went wrong rather than something that went right. And that was, uh, I think, very much the case for me. I was on the um, the I had quick reaction force duty um, the day that the the Red Wings operation went horribly wrong, and I was the air mission commander for. Uh, an aerial QRF that was responding to um, those four seals, and so it was a uh, it was a terrible day. And um, sometimes I guess that happens in in combat. For sure, my friend. And then after the army, you transition into the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Did you always want to be a bureau agent too? No, no, I had no. I that was nowhere near on on my horizon. Honestly, when I got out of the army, uh, my wife and I are both from. Cincinnati. And so we moved back there and I, I got a job with a defense contractor and, and it was a great job, but, um, I wasn't quite ready to sit in a cubicle. And so, um, after three years of doing that, I started looking around and saying, man, I, I don't think I have all the chasing bad guys stuff out of me yet. What could I do? And so at the time, the FBI was very heavily recruiting folks who, um, who were from the military and had combat experience. And so, I went through, I'd never wanted to be um, a police officer um, from that standpoint, but I was very much interested in what the the FBI did from a um, counterintelligence and intelligence standpoint. And so I uh, was, was fortunate enough to, to be picked up and moved through Quantico and then went to the Dallas field office where um, I did a couple of different things. My first... Uh, squad was the human squad where you were in charge of running and recruiting what we call sources and what folks in the intelligence community call assets. And that was a very fun time and was also fortunate enough to make the the SWAT team at the same time. So that was, uh, that was something I had never even considered and, and something that was um, an incredible time in my life for sure. Don, we have a large number of uh, security professionals that listen to our podcast, and uh, many of them come from the military or from law enforcement, and they certainly would like to either write uh, nonfiction or fiction. Having lived through this and uh, toiled in building your career, what advice would you give to new authors out there that's going to be listening to this? Yeah, that's a great question. And just for um, a little perspective for folks who might not know me, I wrote um, three books that didn't sell over the course of 17 years uh, before writing Without Sanction, which sold in a two-book deal. So if you discount the three books that didn't sell in the 17 years that it took to to write them, I'm pretty much an overnight success. And so um, what I would tell folks is 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 a couple of things. Number one, you can't ever sell the book that you don't write. And so I would, I, I would tell folks to buckle down and finish that first book. And, and with the understanding that it might take a couple of books, most folks I know um, were not fortunate enough to sell their first book. They had to learn a little bit more about their craft. And to go along with that, I think there are, um, while, while if you come from the military and law enforcement, you certainly have the, the tactical or technical expertise to write it. But there's usually some learning that has to take place on writing in the craft of writing. And I encourage you to get better at that craft. There's a 
There's a great conference I go to every year. It's called Thriller Fest and it's in New York and it has this compilation of agents and editors and writers, pretty much everybody who's making a living at doing this in the business goes there. And it's a tremendous source of um, both networking, uh, where you get to connect with people who maybe are a little bit farther along on the journey than you are, and also great or they have incredible classes on craft and, and becoming um, better as a writer. And so I can't recommend that highly enough. And then the last thing I tell folks is that you have to Part of writing is certainly an art, but a lot of writing is a business. And just like, um, and just like if you're at the at the firing range, it's really hard to hit a target when you're not aiming for it. And so, if you want to be a writer, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I always tell folks to find the two or three books that are like yours that yours should be would be shelved next to, and tear those books apart. Like, figure out how the writers do what they do. Uh, when I was having a hard time selling my book, my first two didn't sell. I took my favorite Vince Flynn book and used index cards to, to outline that book scene by scene. And then I, I taped all those index cards to the wall and could study them. And it's the difference between looking at a building versus looking at the blueprints of the building. It really allows you to see um, what the author is doing, number one. And then number two, it, let, it lets you see what publishers are publishing the kind of work that you want to write and what agents represent that work. And so those things are very much will help you understand the conventions of the genre you're writing in, what readers expect. And so, it's like I said, it's really, really hard to hit a target if you don't know what you're aiming for. That's wonderful advice, Don. Is there anything that you would like to say that I haven't asked you? No, just um, I'm I'm really really excited about Hostile Intent. If you haven't read the the previous Matt Drake books, you can jump in on this one. It's a standalone. It actually is bigger in scope than my others, and that it you get kind of the espionage feel of um, Matt Drake as a as a case officer, a handler, running assets. But you also get a much bigger kind of epic military thriller feel. The 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 Russian invasion is told from a number of different viewpoints. And so you really get what I loved about Red Storm Rising or Team Yankee or some of those early big military, epic military thriller, the sprawling tales where you get to experience what's happening from both sides of the battlefield. You really get that in Hostile Intent. And, and if that is your jam, I think you will love this book. No doubt. Uh, I'm a big fan. Hostile Intent is published on May 3rd by Don Bentley. Thank you, Don, for being on the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Fred. This episode was brought to you by the OnTick Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center 
for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.